0: Welcome to the Recruiter Abroad podcast. My name's Delta Daherty, and in this podcast series, I will be bringing you the stories of recruiters who have emigrated all around the world. This week, I'm speaking to Graham Whitworth. He's currently a recruitment director in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, and his journey has taken him from England to New Zealand to Australia on to Dubai and eventually to his current home in Kuala Lumpur. Um, In the interview we discuss his journey, what, what it's like to live in all these different countries, what the main difference is from a recruitment standpoint and how he managed to eventually fast track his career after a relatively slow start. A uh, really great interview, great guest. Hope you all enjoy. Um, we got great feedback from David Ayres' interview of how to scale a recruitment business. If you haven't heard that, go on back and have a listen to it. And let us know what you think. On a personal note, we have just had our second child this week. So apologies that this podcast is a day or two late. Um, but uh, yeah, family first. Priorities have uh, taken place. And I hope you are all enjoying the World Cup and have a great week ahead. Graeme Whitworth, how are you? Yes, I'm very well. Thanks for joining us on the Recruiter Abroad podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. So, Graham, I've given everybody a brief rundown into your background, but maybe you could elaborate and let us know how you ended up in this wonderful industry of ours. How, how I got my,
1: uh, my big break.
0: Your big break, yeah.
1: Treatment world. Um, it, it's a bit of a funny one, really. It's, uh, and it's, uh, I'll run you through it. So basically, um, I was studying in the UK, studying in Leeds, and uh, while studying there, I was working for GE, working for Gemma Electric. And um, I did the study thing and I did the work while studying thing. And uh, upon graduation, I thought, well, I'm gonna do the whole year out thing. And like, uh, like many people before me, off I went to New Zealand with a work holiday visa and uh, no real ambitions apart from maybe to work in a car and maybe to do a bit of skiing and figure it out as I went along.
0: Where did you land in New Zealand?
1: I I landed in Auckland.
0: What were those early days like?
1: Uh, Look, Auckland's a great city. I think to go to somewhere which they call the city of sales, I think they have more more boats per capita than anywhere in the world, where you're 30 minutes away from uh, dormant volcanoes, from beaches, from surfing. And uh, obviously the Kiwis are notoriously friendly and welcoming people. Big sport, mad culture and uh, quite happy to have us pommies over uh, in, with, with open arms. So It's a, it's a good, good, good place to start off.
0: Yeah, and a good place to start off your career as well. Uh, Hayes are kind of known for the, the entry point. How were those early days? Uh,
1: well, I think it was good timing when I, when I, when I got over there. Uh, it, it's a bit of a roundabout way how I transitioned into recruitment. Uh, upon arriving in Auckland, uh, my only experience was working for GE. So uh, I Gravitated towards working for GE again and went to apply to work for them. Uh, they were quite happy to bring me on board for six months or for 12 months, you know, as per my work holiday visa. But uh, as I wasn't a Kiwi, uh, they were going to payroll me through Hayes. So uh, off I went to the Hayes office and explained my situation, how I was going to be one of their contractors. And um, what I thought was a five minute conversation, signed a contract, started to feel like an interview. And then they interviewed a few people, and before you knew it, I, I was not my contract for GE. I was leaving with uh, a job offer to become a consultant for them. So uh, yeah, it was quite a surprise for me. It worked out okay in the end.
0: Did you know what a recruitment consultant was then? Because um, you
1: know, I, I, think you... I had an, an, an idea, but but honestly, honestly not really. Honestly, not really.
0: And. Uh... And so you, did your, you, did your, you got sponsored there. How, how was that process?
1: Hey, I think New Zealand is one of the easiest places to get sponsored. Uh, back then, uh, the, sal- the minimum salary thresholds were, were quite low to, to, become, a, to become, a, become a sponsored employee. Uh, I think the education thresholds are quite low as well. And uh, remember, if you're from the UK, you can actually work for 23 months for the same employer in New Zealand under the work holiday visa scheme which gives employers plenty of chance to make a decision as to, you know, whether they're going to extend you or not. Um, I was there for about two years myself, the first one year on a work holiday and the remainder on a, on a sponsored visa.
0: And was it easy to find a place to live and to get into the, the social scene in New Zealand?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. I think, you know, uh, there's a lot of Brits uh, working in recruitment all over the world. And Hayes obviously attracts a lot of Brits because of the name and the brand and the reputation they have in the uk so there's many people of a similar age group in a similar situation to you who are trying to figure it out in a new country uh, and you you and that group of people could can make their own and then you can branch off into you know kiwis and locals and aussies and, and whatnot um and in terms of a place to live yeah i mean auckland for those who haven't been is a very small and walkable city so uh, I walked to work every day, uh, I managed to find a, a condo quite central. and um, to be honest, it was a funny feeling in that kind of month, two, month three when I kind of reflected and thought to myself, "Oh wow, this is actually quite easy it's easier than I thought. Uh, I almost wish it was a bit harder because it's so easy I felt guilty, uh, but, but yeah, it kind, of, kind of what were
0: you recruiting for uh,
1: that It was quite straightforward in the end.
0: What were you recruiting for in those early days?
1: Uh, well, um, I was doing banking, uh, banking recruitment. It was a, obviously it was a good time back in uh, when I was at 2006. So the whole of the banking industry was going through huge deregulation, uh, huge expansion, and uh, you know that that bubble, which burst three or four years later, was pretty much built upon very uh, liberal lending policy, which obviously big recruitment. You had partnerships with the banks, uh, you know, benefited from. So it was, so, a, it was quite a hot market back then.
0: So, what was it like being uh, a banking recruitment consultant in April
1: two thousand and eight? Well, it, in two thousand eight, it was still pretty hot market. Um, the two thousand six, two thousand seven were really good markets. Uh, two thousand eight, there was some mumblings of things may 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 not quite be right. Uh, and certainly, I, uh, you know, by September, especially, it started to slow quite quite fast. But, um, but did you 60, did you see the
0: writing on the walls?
1: Um, I, I, I'm, I'm an optimist, so I, I always said it was going to be this kind of six month correction, just a blip, and it'll all be back to normal. Uh, I mean, I've never known anything different. You know, I just graduated, and all I've known is a hot market. Uh, I've never seen an up and a down. Um, but a lot of people in the industry warned me that this wasn't something that was going to go away, and uh, and and I really think the bank, any banking recruiters out there, even you know even ten years on, um, may say the market still isn't as good as what it used to be.
0: Wow. So so you're at a you're at a point where you're you're relatively established in in Auckland. You know you're two years in. It, it's been a bit of a dream. The writing's kind of on the wall a little bit. How did how did you make a decision to move to Australia? Where in Australia did you go then? Um,
1: so firstly, there was, there was a group of us who had kind of formed quite a tight friendship. And, you know, maybe one evening after a few beers and a bit of a barbecue, the talk of Australian dollars uh, popped up. Uh, you know, for those who are not aware, the exchange rate between the New Zealand dollar and the Australian dollar is, is very favorable towards the Aussie dollar. Even more but, so back then. Yeah, I mean yeah, and the salaries in Oz are, are very, very good. I mean, they're crazy to be honest. So, I mean, there's always talk of Australia for anyone who's working in not not just not just expats. Um and you know, I was sat uh in an office in Auckland receiving the monthly top ten in expats billers and every single month seems to be per 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 per. And up until that point, I couldn't tell you anything about Perth. The only thing I knew about Perth is that all of Hayes' hot billers seem to be from there. And yeah. that kind of Sparked my interest because I thought to myself, well, I've got no ties to Auckland. Uh I've just, I've got just as many ties to Perth than I have to anywhere else. Yeah. And if this hot market, then what am I doing here grinding it out when I can be on a four-hour plane journey away and, and and start afresh and and you know. That 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 was the plan. That that's what transcended.
0: I I try not to jump into Perth too much because this is just a coincidence. I didn't know that you were in Perth before we started this conversation, but I was on a farm picking beans in Queensland, and I I was standing. I was I was next to a little Asian woman who who, who's been doing that for years, and she said, "Oh, listen, my my sister is earning a hundred grand a year as a cleaner." In uh, Western Australia. And I remember as soon as I heard that, I thought, that's it. I'm going there. We're getting into recruitment. What were those boom years like for you whenever you went there?
1: So um, I I was quite lucky. I joined a company called Chandler McLeod, who I think they probably still are the market leader in Oz. And uh, they were certainly very, very well ingrained into the mining sector over the so I uh, we, we were quite lucky where we had a partnership with uh, BHP Billiton, which mm-hmm. is probably the biggest employer. And uh, they were going through a process of uh, uh, recruiting SAP. Uh, now, I'm the, I don't come from an engineering or mining uh, recruitment background, but for Chandler McLeod, coming from banking and transitioning to SAP accounting uh, was good enough for them. Um, and it was literally a matter of if you had a qualified accountant uh, who had done SAP and was quite happy to work on a roster, which was either four, three, four days on, three days off, eight, six, they, they would take them in and they would pay, they'll take them in as a contractor or they'll take them in as perm. Um, and it was quite lucky because I was in a hot market and I was also recruiting pretty much, not exclusively, but over 50% of all my placements came from one place. And they just never
0: stopped hiring. Wow. Yeah, I, 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 remember, I remember being in that marketplace. And it, it took, I, I was there a couple of years later, and it took years for all the other firms to get on the, the, the managed service agreements. And I think Ch- Chandler McLeod had it all sewn up for years. So I can yeah. only imagine what that was like. Of, of yeah, I, I
1: took out to some of the sites. So, you know, we had such a good relationship that I would actually fly out to the mine sites if I had a batch of contractors starting in a particular week or on a particular project to, to meet up with the hiring managers or just to do a bit of onboarding, um, you know, it was very much all hands on deck. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I love this, you know, get yourself in PPE, perfect, you know, personal yeah. protective equipment, jump on a plane uh, into the middle of nowhere, into a gold mining town or a steel mining town or an iron ore mine. And uh, and kind of figure it out on the grounds. It was it seemed like a world away from the UK.
0: Yeah, it, 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 I, I, my wife was working for Chevron, and she did, and she worked for BHP as an internal recruiter, and and she had a lot of those experiences too. But kind of learning that whole mining thing and how that integrates into every other business function, it's very hard to describe to somebody who who hasn't seen Escape. how that. How,
1: Hard to describe. You you can't imagine the size of a mine site until you've flown over it, because you, you just not. I don't think. I just don't think you ever see something so big, um, in you know in the middle of nowhere ever. It feels very unworldly.
0: So at this point, you're starting to make some real coin as a recruiter for the first time. Yeah,
1: BHP. Yeah, mining's a good sector. yeah Definitely.
0: Uh, what was your lifestyle like? Like, was it? Uh, did you have a plush apartment that had a gym in it, and we living in a nice area of town? And... Uh, well,
1: well, I was quite lucky. I mean, I I was actually living with a guy from Liverpool who was working fly-in, fly-out on an oil rig. And uh, his oil company gave him a very, very plush apartment duplex. And uh, he was looking for a flatmate he could trust. We kind of had Liverpool Football Club in, uh, in common. And he basically said, you know what? Give me a little bit of money on the side and you can have my, uh, the extra room. So not only was I uh, earning good money, but I wasn't necessarily spending it on rent, so yeah, it was a, a double a double win.
0: Were you doing anything interesting on your weekends? Were you were you going down south or up north or to <laughs> Bali like everybody else? Or?
1: Uh, no, I was, I was staying in WA mostly. Uh, one of my friends had a boat, so we'd sometimes go out fishing. Uh, you could you could, It's basically six months of good weather in Perth, so my evenings were uh, fishing, going to the gym, outdoors, kind of running outdoors is nice. Uh, very much kind of a barbecue, beer, park kind of culture. Um, you know, we've got wineries um, and a lot of beaches close by. So it was very much a kind of outdoorsy place. Um, Perth's a, a place for people who enjoy the outdoors. It doesn't quite have the glitz and glamour of Sydney, uh, but if you like a, a simpler life um, and and you're quite and you're quite happy just to be outside, then Perth is a great place
0: for that type of stuff yeah i I feel like I was too young for Perth to be honest i i, I think i I'd, I'd probably enjoy it more now with kids than that um a, a lot of my time there you know I was kind of thinking mm, oh God New York would be a bit more fun for this stage of life um but uh but yes, it was, just depends what you're what you're into so you're, mm-hmm. you're 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 like two and a half years in perth you're in one of the most amazing boom times at a recruitment company that's a core supplier to the biggest mining company in the world and you're sitting on the seat making the money your your cost of living's low you've got a great lifestyle you're loving it why did you give it all up? Uh, Well at that time
1: um, well many 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 years ago when I was a kid myself and my family all lived in the Middle East so um, my mum had actually just accepted a job to go and work in Abu Dhabi And she was raving about Abu Dhabi. I should come over and, you know, tax free money and I could stay with her. And it'd be good to see me again because I've been away for a few years. And um, I got a classic headhunt call from Charter House. uh, And Charter House in Perth wanted to hire me or wanted to talk about the potential of hiring me. And I kind of said off the cuff, I said, you know, the only, only place I would ever change jobs in Perth and the only place that ever work is Dubai or Abu Dhabi. Um, so I don't know if you've got an office there, but that's the only thing I'm interested in. And that off-the-cuff comment turned into a few follow-up calls, uh, an interview, and ended up me being Dubai.
0: Wow. Um, maybe you could let us know. Dubai, right? Is, is, are the streets paved with gold for recruiters? Do, does it come easy like you've gone from probably, I would say the easiest gig in the boom, in the biggest boom, happening to going, to, going to a completely new environment. Was it the same? What What were the core differences?
1: Um, I've seen probably more people fail than make it. It 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 it, it kind of it, Dubai can, can make or break people. Uh, I think it's down to people's maturity and tenacity and a, a whole range of things. Um, the people who I see who don't make it in Dubai uh, are people who are maybe they don't take their work too seriously. They think they're in Dubai um, they think it's funny when it actually is tough as well. You know, it's a grind. It's very, very effective. The margins are getting squeezed and there's a lot of money over there. Um, the people who kind of get sucked into expat lifestyle and try and something they're not too fast, whether they get a personal loan they can't quite repay or a car that they don't quite need and they try and live a flash lifestyle without really earning it they live on credit and I've seen a lot of people get burnt into because of this. For
0: sure. mm. And tell me percentage rates in, in Perth are around 15%, they might even be less in Auckland. Um, th- less or more in in the middle east in in, in those early days
1: less or more uh, fees yeah um so uh, the fees are in perth yeah you're looking at about 5018 something like that probably similar in dubai but you know they started to get you know 12 and 14 started to creep in for sure um especially when dubai experienced a bit of a downturn there was a bit of a, a downward
0: pressure for sure and so, so your your life in Dubai. Um, I, I'm not a relaxed but on Dubai, to be honest with you. Um, I, I find it a hard place to do international rec to rec because every UK recruiter is just jumping at any opportunity, um, and and uh, it it, it kind of makes my my job a little harder. What what's it what's it like when you arrive there? Like, are you living in a in a, for a better word, like a, a community compound? Uh, is there is there laws on drinking? How, how, did, how did you find those cultural aspects?
1: Look, I'm, I'm, I'm super lucky because uh, my mum already works there. Uh, my sister at the time was working in Qatar with her husband. And my brother joined me soon after I arrived. So I had a family network in Dubai oh. right away. So I had a bit of a, a, a launch pad you know, I had a place to stay and, and, you know, I could I could take my time to get myself set up. There was no super rush. Uh, but for people who don't have that, which is the vast majority of people, uh, I think the thing which they find a shock is that the rents in Dubai are very, very high. And most, uh, most landlords expect six or up to 12 months rent up front in one go uh, before you can move it. So you can't really, turn up in Dubai with nothing, uh, especially if you want to get your own place. Uh, you do need to have a little bit of money behind you uh, just to get yourself set up. And um, I think, you know, that first 12 months, I think a lot of people finish that first 12 months with basically less or or exactly what they started with. They, they certainly don't put money in the bank in that first 12 months. I think that's yeah. to
0: the complete opposite to Perth in the boom time. Yeah,
1: there's a lot. Of, I think there's a lot of distractions in in Dubai. It's it's extremely easy to spend a lot of money on 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 shopping, on alcohol, on a car. Credit is very easily available. It's very tempting mm-hmm. to get credit uh, and to get debt and to get cards. Uh, it's
0: extremely tempting, and I've seen people make that mistake. Um, and, t- and tell me, tell me, Graeme, how do salary packages work there? I believe they're, they're a bit different. Do they incorporate like uh, your, your, your living costs in many cases? And do you, like, how does that work?
1: Yeah. So all, all, all salaries in the Middle East uh, are in three components, basic, living and housing. Uh, the reality is, is that all these three get bundled into one and you get paid that cash into your bank. So you don't necessarily uh, see the packaging or how it's broken up. Uh, there are some employers who, instead of giving you an allowance for a house, may give you a, an actual property to live in. But I think generally speaking, uh, they will give you the allowance, and you can choose to do with it what you want. Um, yeah.
0: Did that feel like a bit of a pay cut coming from Perth? You must have been like on close to eighty thousand dollars on a base in Perth, and you're going to a place where they're like you—you you, had really cheap accommodation in Perth. Luckily, you, you're the only one who had that, by the way, but. Um, well, you
1: know what, it's tax free money in Dubai, so you've got to appreciate that. And, um, even though Dubai has a reputation for being expensive, you know, it's very similar to working in Perth, you know, the cost Mm. of living is, is not dissimilar to Australia. So for me, uh, when I, when I looked at the tax, um, it was pretty much a like for like salary with, because it was tax free. Um, and yeah, I think it was just opportunity for that new, new adventure, um,
0: and what I, were you recruiting then?
1: So when I first moved over there, uh, I was focusing back on banking again. Because, yeah, Dubai was still going through quite a strong banking market. Um, so it was kind of back to what I knew. Um, mm. And it was, you know, Dubai Dubai is a funny place. It has, it has local banks which uh, service the local market. It has a very, very big Islamic banking space. And funnily enough, you know, a lot of Western banks Uh, do Islamic banking Um, but it's also the uh, hub for international finance for the region uh, due to it having a a tax-free banking zone or a free zone Uh, Mm. and our office was was walking distance to this free zone Um, so even though I was in Dubai uh, most of the people I'd be dealing with on a day-to-day basis were actually you know Brits and Aussies and and Americans it
0: felt very And when, when, I, uh, when I look at your time in Chandler and McLeod, you, you almost had a free swing at it. Um, what was it like setting up a desk in Charter House in, uh, in, in Dubai in those times? Um, I think,
1: um, well, I, I, I took a longer term, a longer time approach to it. Um, I knew it wasn't going to be quick money. I think there was quick money available, but it didn't necessarily, I, I didn't have to rush it. Uh, I kind of took the time to build relationships I really leveraged the whole my family live in the Middle East, which I thought was a, made a it a little bit easier. Um, I think it, the, the key was to really break the banks up into their segments. You know, who are the international banks? Who are the local banks? Who are the Islamic banks? And really start to appreciate that, even though they all operate in the same industry, they operate very, very separately. Um, it's a very networked, place, Dubai. I think a lot of people come and go. Uh, But if you put the effort to network, I think it pay off quite well.
0: And when did it start paying off for you? Was it like year two, year three? Because you were there for quite a while.
1: It paid off quite quickly. The first year was probably better than my second year. Um, I I just got kind of, I got quite lucky. I hit the ground running and I actually started to do some recruitment for the Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, the actual Prime Minister of dubai uh, i actually ended up doing some recruitment for his private investment vehicle uh doing some debt debt restructure roles for him uh, although i didn't meet the shake himself the people who i recruited for would work you know semi-closely with him and that really opened up a lot of doors gave me some credit really quickly and just one of those quick wins which I never planned but i just happened to have a very good person who had be a very good fit for what they were looking for and uh you know put two and two together and that opened a lot of doors for me
0: and around this time 2015 i was i was in an oil and gas town and it wasn't an easy place easy time to be a recruiter in an oil and gas town and a lot of money and advice centered around that It, it did you find did you find that dip troubling at the time, or were you you so centred around the banking that it was no problem? Yeah,
1: um, it was certainly more difficult. Uh, It was certainly more of a grind. Uh, You certainly had to put more in to get the same amount out. And I was very aware that it wasn't the the hotter market that it was. Um, and, And yeah, I think some people exited Dubai about that time, or a lot of companies scaled down a little bit, for sure. Uh, and it was a, you know, it definitely quietened down by the time I left. It was starting to, to, to dry up for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, the timing I was there, I had, I had, I, I just caught the, the uh, a rebound uh, in the market. It, was, it wasn't too bad, but it certainly wasn't boom time years or it certainly wasn't, you know, easy money for sure. You definitely, definitely had to work for it. Uh, but when you did earn it, tax free. And uh, obviously in recruitment, we earn a percentage of people's salaries and the salaries in Dubai tend to be quite good as well. So you end up working quite senior jobs uh, that you may not otherwise get to work on in uh, the UK or in Oz.
0: So you're, you're at a point now where you've, you're up and running. It's all good. And you think, oh, I'll, I'll have another, I'll have a crack at another country. How did this come about and, and what was next for you?
1: Uh, so it was a bit of a very kind of roundabout situation. I've been in Dubai uh, for up four and a half years, uh, also spent a lot of time in Abu Dhabi and in Qatar, and uh, with Charter House actually helped them open an office in Qatar, uh, because my sister lived there. So I used to go over, stay with her, do a day's work in Qatar every week uh, until we built up a portfolio big enough to open an office. Um, and, you know, it, it, things were fine. Things were fine. I wasn't I was certainly not looking to leave. I was quite content, to be honest. Um, And then a friend of mine or an ex-colleague of mine who I worked with in New Zealand was passing through Dubai on the way to the UK. And I caught up with him. And, uh, of course, I gave him the Dubai sell and told him how this is a good place for him, how it's a great place for recruiters. And, you know, as long as you work hard and you're diligent and you focus on your candidates... Uh, you know, it's a good space to be in. But then uh, he he sold me something a little bit different that I'd never really thought about, and he sold me the idea of uh, Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. And um, yeah, so it was kind of a very roundabout way that I go all the way back to New Zealand, and the people I work with in New Zealand uh, connected me up with here in Malaysia.
0: Wow. Uh, so, so what was what was Kuala Lumpur like? In, in comparison to, to Dubai, it's still a Muslim country, right? Yeah, yeah, still Muslim. I mean,
1: both Dubai and, and, and Kuala Lumpur are very liberal. Uh, I, I certainly think Dubai has, so the preconception people have with Dubai is they think it's like Saudi Arabia. They think it's very, very uh, conservative uh, and they think it's very much, you know, uh, compound lifestyle. You can't go out, you know, women can't drive, that type of stuff. The reality of Dubai is it's very different. It, it, it's a party town, effectively. Uh, all the big nightclubs are there. Um, it's extremely liberal as long as you do it in the right place. Um, so there was, you know, I think there's some big preconceptions of Dubai. Um, the preconceptions people have with Kuala Lumpur is they think it's like Bangkok. Uh, their expectation is, you know, uh, a bit sleazy, uh, maybe a bit, bit poor third world country, poor infrastructure. Uh, bad traffic, uh, you know, dirty, dirty place to live, or you know, not that glamorous. Um, that's people's preconception of Kuala Lumpur. The reality is, is that KL is very, very similar to Singapore. It's very modern, first world. And for anyone who's from the UK but doesn't live in London, uh, like myself from Liverpool, uh, coming to KL felt like a big international first world city for sure.
0: Wow. Okay. Cool. Um- so, so so you're starting again, you're in, this is when your career from the outside looking in, I, I'm not pretending to know you really well, but it, it looks like your career starts to accelerate um, you're starting to climb the ranks and, and have maybe a bit more success in the industry. What, uh, what, uh, what was it that drove your career on at this stage?
1: Yeah, I think up until, uh, up until my move to KL, I was very content with being, uh, you know, maybe a solo operator or someone managing a small team, you know, one, two, three people. Uh, and I'd always looked at recruitment as a job and an opportunity to earn good money in, in a job which has, you know, maybe not lots of stress and responsibility, but certainly, a, you know, a, a, a job rather than a career. Um, I, I moved to KL, uh, coincided with me being 30. And uh, I, at that point, it was, well, this is a career move now. Uh, let's put the job to one side and let's build something um, and, and build some roots here and put my name with a, with a big company like Randstad. Um, and, you know, there were certain reasons why I was attracted to them. And, uh, and yeah, and, and it kind of worked out okay in the end.
0: What, what were those reasons, may I ask?
1: So, not to offend people who work for Randstad, but Randstad, when it comes to permanent recruitment, are quite poor. Uh, they, they are very, very behind the curve, you know, you know when it comes to permanent recruitment. Uh, they are a temp recruitment company. They are a Kelly services. They are in a deco. They are a manpower. Uh, that's, that is Randstad. Um, now, they wanted to be a Haze and they still are progressing in that direction. Uh, and what attracted me the most about Randstad was just kind of ha- how poor they were and how much they needed to do and I really felt I could be someone who could be a, a big value add for them. Mm. So I really thought it could be a job where I would stand out very quickly um, uh, because, because I've, I've, I've kind of built desks and built divisions previously. And I thought, you know what, uh, these guys are really struggling. And if I can get it right here, then I'm going to have a career with this company that could, could
0: go take me places. Mm. It's interesting you say that about Randstad. That was my preconceived idea of them as well. But I have worked with them since, and they have taken a lot of Hayes leadership. Mm-hmm, so, and, and they've implemented a lot of the things l- like that, but maybe with a bit of a, a softer edge. Yeah, that's
1: off the company. I mean, look, you know, the person who hired me from New Zealand was X Hayes. Uh, obviously, I'm X Hayes. Our other associate director was X Hayes. So there was basically one guy from Ramstad who hired three guys from Hayes uh, to run the show for them. Now, look, the Malaysia market, they haven't made a profit in 22 years. Uh, they're still struggling for profitability all over Asia and all over Australasia. But, you know, they've got a plan. Um, and and I think if they could adopt even half or even less than half of what Hayes do well, then they would turn the corner.
0: Um, and, and so what's what's your life like in Kuala Lumpur? Like, are you, in a, are you in a massive city? Are you living outside it? Like, socially, have you integrated into into the local scene? Like, like can you can you give us an idea into that? Because it's it's an area I know nothing about.
1: Yeah, I think when you look at Asia, a lot of people gravitate towards Singapore and Hong Kong. Uh, that's people's first reaction, isn't it? Uh, and for the people who I know live in, in Singapore and Hong Kong, they live in very much those expat circles and expat bubbles. Um, for me, Malaysia isn't like that at all. There are much, much less expats uh, in our office, for example. Here, we've had you know up to fifty consultants, and only maybe four or five expats out of all of them. Um, and that's quite common with a lot of companies. There's a lot more emphasis on local hire rather than expatriates. So there's a, a much, much smaller community, uh, and as such, you know, you you build friends outside of that community you know i'd probably say my friendship group is half um half you know europeans or expats and the other half local malaysians Wow! i really feel i've kind of been able to integrate myself a little bit easier here than uh than other places for sure
0: that's interesting yeah and and you know from a business perspective you're doing construction mm. and like is that a lot of local candidates you're obviously recruiting in english Huh? is there any like is there any challenges to that or anything you have to be careful of f- um, from a cultural perspective so yeah i mean
1: uh, aside from singapore malaysia has the highest english competency rate in all of southeast asia people are taught english from a young age here and a lot of people study overseas as well australia uk so language barrier um is few and far between to be honest um the one thing to think about any developing country or, 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 you know, second world country, which, you know, Malaysia would be classified as is that it has an incredibly large skills shortage. So if you're good and you're, and you're Malaysian, you may have job opportunities in Singapore. Maybe you stay behind in Melbourne after you graduate. And, uh, it's very, very, very difficult to find good people in Malaysia. Um, I think that's the biggest difference. Whereas, maybe in ours or in the UK, maybe it's still a, a a candidate-rich market. Maybe you've still got a lot of applicants. Maybe you can still rely on LinkedIn. Whereas in Malaysia, it's extremely candidate short. And- I'm guessing
0: your fees reflect that.
1: What's mine? Yeah, the fees are guess- much higher. Yeah, you know, 20 would be a, would be a minimum over here uh, and 30 is not unheard of. But, you know, 20, 22, 25 are very, very common.
0: And um, so in terms of like, I'm taking that salaries are a lot lower than they would be in... Oh, yeah. In, in, so, so you need to do quite a lot of, yeah, of placement.
1: Yeah. Well, look, I mean, you, you, the salaries are a hell of a lot lower here than they are in Australia, but you know we're working at 25%, not 12. So yeah. uh, yes, the salaries are lower, but the fees are higher. And you know what? The cost of living here is a lot cheaper. Now, dollar for dollar, there are many places you can earn more money. If, you, if you've got a mortgage to pay back home, and, you know off you go to Singapore or Hong Kong, you know if, if your plan is to send that money home, but if you're looking for a career and you're spending your money locally uh, then yeah it can go very far and you can have a very nice lifestyle here um, although when you go on holiday it does feel expensive
0: yeah okay the, it, it, it sounds nice though um and what uh you know with, with what like what, what type of places do you go on holiday or locally like is it there's a lot of islands around there is it, do you go to the Philippines
1: yeah I mean I mean we're, we're lucky because KL is the hub of Air Asia which mm. is the equivalent of easyJet so uh, you know within a four hour flight you can be in Bangkok you can be in Phuket uh, you can be in Singapore you can be in Bali um, you know so you can go further afield you can go up to Hong Kong you can go to Korea um, so Weekend breaks uh, and short trips, There's so many options in Southeast Asia. Uh, and then, yeah, kind of, you know, I think we are very spoiled here that, you know, it feels like we're in the Europe of Asia uh, where everything's so close and so varied and so cheap. Hmm. To
0: to. And, and with, with recruiters who, who might be interested in going to Malaysia, is the visa process complicated? Is there a lot of opportunities for them?
1: Um, the visa process is quite straightforward, to be honest. Uh, the minimum salary thresholds are very low, so any recruiter, uh, expat recruiter, would, would would be over those minimum thresholds for sure. Um, degree holder, I think, makes it easier, but it's not not a prerequisite. Um, so it, the visa process is quite straightforward. It's about finding employers who want to take expats. Um, you know, as I said earlier, you know, the expat uh, to local ratio in my kind of 8 to 10 to 1. Um, so you're not going to walk into Michael Page uh, and, uh, to, and there's going to be 10 or 15 or 20 expats there. Um, it's going to be a lot smaller group of people. And the questions they're going to be asking are, why Malaysia? And, you know, how long are you going to be here for? And can we trust you? Um, so I see a lot of people doing internal transfer. Um, it's probably the easiest
0: way to get out And so this leads me on to you know, my, my, my kind of final question. Uh, What's going on with you at the moment? What tell us about your business and, uh, and yeah, how how you walk us through that.
1: Um, So I I had a great time of it at, at, at um, Randstad, uh, you know, starting from me plus one person to go to me plus 13 in two and a half years uh, was great. And to, you know, to, to really, really make a name for myself inside Randstad, um, I think ultimately, um, you know, it was. I saw more opportunities in Malaysia than maybe they did. Uh, I was quite lucky that some of my friends were very well connected to the new government, uh, as we've had a, a government change recently uh, for the first time in you know two generations, and um, and, and with that, uh, an opportunity came up to to join a smaller company, uh, but with very strong political connections uh, and to work our new clients right now are, are some of the are some of the government linked companies and government backed companies so yeah it was just kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity to to tra- make a transition be a bit more independent in how i work and to get involved with something super exciting uh with this new government
0: okay well what what a fun what a fantastic story um, Thanks so much for coming on and sharing it with us. Uh, you've 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 been on the run more than Jason Bourne, uh, and uh, and I, I found it fascinating. I've learned loads, uh, and uh, yeah, thanks so much.
1: Perfect. No no worries at all. No worries. Uh, great to have. Great to have, great to be here. Take care, pal. Cheers. Bye.
0: Massive thank you to Graham for coming on the show. Uh, I learned a lot uh, because I didn't have a clue about anything about Kuala Lumpur and the market there. Um, I don't do a tremendous amount of work in Dubai, so it was interesting to get his take on that and the differences and maybe some of the the risks of people who want to move there and how hard it is to be successful there, but how great it can be if you do everything right and live your life the right way. Um and, and look, if you're enjoying these uh, podcasts, uh, please do send it to another recruiter and let us know. Uh, really looking to get as much feedback as possible. And every week the, uh, the downloads are steadily uh, growing. So that's great. And we really enjoy doing it. And, and look, we are an international REC Direct. So if you do want to discuss your own career, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to take a call. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you wanna say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.